But when you see ongoing iterations of women and female voices as things that are there to serve you, things that are there to like provide for you, things that are there to like have sex with, those are bad things. You internalize those to some extent, and that's quite harmful. Hi, this is the first episode of Things of Interest. I'm Serena Chen. And I'm Sophia Fritz. Today we'll be talking about artificial intelligence and gender. Artificial intelligence. It's simultaneously one of the greatest dreams and darkest fears for humanity. But just 20 years ago, AI was nothing but a sci-fi fantasy. Nowadays, we carry it every day in our pockets. It mines our data, it learns our behaviours, it helps us in our daily lives, and it beats us in games. Now, a trend you've probably started noticing, Sophia, is that these AIs are gendered. And they're gendered in a wholly unsurprising way. Subservient AIs that are always there to help you organize your day, look up answers for you, whatever, are overwhelmingly female. Like Siri, Cortana, Alexa, or basically any GPS device. AIs that are designed to be masters of a certain field, however, are overwhelmingly male or genderless, like AlphaGo or Deep Blue. And even when I say that they're genderless, they're still seen as male. Chess players who train with genderless AI, for example, often refer to them as he. So I guess the first question for us to mull over is the biggest one. Why is it like this? Why are so many bots female? Well, I know that initially when um, creating sort of electronic voices to help you out and tell you things about whether your train is broken or your tram is on fire, um, they would often use female voices because they're pitched differently. So that would happen originally, particularly on trains and trams, because there are a lot of sounds on trains and trams, it's clattering, but they're all at quite a low frequency. Um, so you'd find that the higher pitched female voices were actually a lot easier for everyone to hear. Uh, and so that's certainly the initial reason to do that, and a reason that doesn't have anything to do with sexism yet, um, but I'm, I'm sure we'll get on to that as well. More recently, um, <laughs> what we've found is particularly people who have watched 2001 A Space Odyssey and other people indeed find male voices from AIs quite demanding, slightly threatening, and just essentially like they have to do things that a male voice says, or a voice that seems more male has a lower pitch to it, just, yeah. You know, seems masculine whereas they're perfectly happy to ignore things a female voice says which I think speaks broadly to like a larger problem within society but also sort of to the era in which we were first developing electronic voices and the idea of AI so those are certainly times where women were seen as more subservient even even though we've reached a uh, I guess enlightened would be the right word, although certainly not entirely equal era, it is quite a difficult uh, route to navigate when you're trying to change something that's become quite ingrained in society. When we've had female voices for AI and GPS, GPS has been over 10 years, I think. Um, and you're trying to like make this cultural shift. Uh, certainly I know with uh, Siri, you can, there are options to change the voice, I believe. I don't have Mac. I don't use Apple's. Um, but yeah, there are options to change the voice and very few people make the decision to change things to a male no. voice. 
that's mostly because it's just the default. Like, it was chosen as the default voice. I don't think a lot of people even know they can change it. Well, it was chosen as the default voice in America, which is quite interesting. So the US got the female voice, and the UK got a male voice, and people within the UK complained bitterly about this. And were like, <laughs> why is my phone a man? I put this in my pocket. This is horrible. Um, which, you know, was probably like a giant no homo from men in the UK. (laughs) But But putting a female in my pocket, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, totally okay. Like, we can can normalize this weird subservient relationship. That's fine. Um, And similarly with GPSs, everyone knows you can change the voice on GPSs. If you want Darth Vader telling you where to go, you can have that. But aside from like a humorous element to it, very few people change the voice to a non-female voice. No. What I found was surprising during some of the reading I did for this was that everywhere, almost ubiquitously, everyone in uh, using GPS devices wanted a female voice, except for BMW drivers in Germany. They were the one exception. They were offended to be taking directions from a female voice. So all GPS voices are female, except in Germany. Apparently. I mean, it's still incredibly sexist, but <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> incredibly sexist. What, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. what I find mildly hilarious is the theory that's um, passed around that a lot of tech people didn't write male voices in these AI or gendered them to be male because of Hal from 2001 Space Odyssey. It creeped them out. It made, you know, it was scary to have a male AI. And I think that's, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Um, but on a second glance, I think the fear part is something that's quite, quite common in stories about AI. It's kind of this weird, like, I don't know, if you look at how AI is told through a pop culture lens, then it's this weird kind of like fear fantasy, like a compelling horror story, basically, that we keep iterating over. We keep telling stories about how AI will rise up, it will be fully human, and then it will become more than human, and it will destroy us all because it's so much better and whatnot. And we keep coming back to it. We keep, you know, we're fully compelled by this, this horror story. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Having seen 2001 A Space Odyssey, I can definitely jam with people who are like, I do not want a male voice because I'm worried it would put me out the airlock. Like, that that was a very scary AI. Equally, like, I think pop culture is often a simplification of the kind of stories that get thrown around in science fiction and fantasy to a large extent. So certainly Isaac Asimov wrote iRobot, which is the quintessential, like, AI stops us from doing things because we're very bad at not hurting ourselves and compared to any moderately intelligent species, we're a toddler that keeps putting its hand in the fire. Which, from a broad perspective, like, definitely, that is a very accurate description of humanity. But if you look at Asimov's other work, so he has a whole set of books about a robot detective that, like, saves lives and has to deal with, like, the injustice of being treated like a robot around other robots. When you look at the Mass Effect series, which sets the um, synthetic life forms the guess against like other synthetic life forms that are created that are just wonderful people to an extent. The evolution of um, 
Edie, who was initially just meant to be like an automatic guiding system for the ship into her own person is like this beautiful story arc. And, um, oh, what was the other one I was thinking of? I was thinking of Other Space. Uh, so Other Space is like a beautiful uh, sci-fi series uh, generally described as a cross between Star Trek and The Office, um, which actually deals with the fact that we will often have female bots and that the uh, ship's interface command is a female. And it sort of talks about the fact that she was actually originally built as a card dealer for a um, casino and that's why she was attractive and wore short dresses because that was in her programming because she was there to deal cards. Uh, and I think that's a very interesting way of sort of like looking at the ways that we interpret the functions that AIs are there for and looking at how sort of like very interesting story arts and like interesting ideas within uh, science fiction get distilled down into sort of pop culture simplifications. Have you seen Ex Machina? Mm. Yes? No, I was going to see it the other night, but I missed it. Ah, okay. I will hold back on that. No, go for it. Yeah? Go for, go for the yeah. spoilers? Okay. Spoiler yeah, alert for Ex Machina then. Um, so the, the lead character is a female robot. And at first she is depicted very explicitly as a robot, not a human. You know, you can see her inner functions. Um, you can see through her and see all of the the circuits and whatnot that's going on in there. And when she you first meet her, um, she moves in a slightly human, slightly robotic kind of way, very uncanny valley. And as the movie goes on, she becomes more and more humanized and she starts to look more human as well by wearing clothes that cover up things that expose her circuits. So throughout the movie, she is quote-unquote falling in love with the other lead character who's there to test her for how real she can be. And the story basically flips the trope on its head when, in the end, um, she quote-unquote falls in love with this human um, and the human has fallen in love with her. And she uses that to her advantage and kills her maker traps her human lover in a room disguises herself as a complete and full human and escapes out into the world that's beautiful that's like the best robot story i've ever heard i know it's amazing and i feel like it's um it's this kind of dilemma that the male gaze i'm going to personify the male gaze here it's a dilemma that the male gaze has when looking at things like sex bots or or AI that you could fall in love with possibly because we the male gaze are compelled by it these are not human not fully human they're objects they're programs that you can depend on that you can project whatever you need onto them and they'll always be there for you but to fall in love with one you kind of have to even though if it's not true project a reciprocal falling in love kind of narrative you have to project humanity onto them. And that's when that narrative clashes with the first one where you've become complicit in them being an object and that's a good thing. And suddenly you have to project humanity on them for them to fall back in love with you. And I feel like that's, that's an interesting struggle when it comes to 
a male gaze looking upon female bots, basically. Yeah, that's quite interesting. It sort of it leads to a few questions in my mind. Firstly, like how we conceptualize the idea of lots, mm. because like if you ask people who aren't giant nerds, <laughs> they would probably come up with a lot of very sappy responses right. about like suddenly feeling whole again and wanting to spend all of your time with them. And certainly, like I can say all of those, but I can also say it's chemical reactions and the question of whether you can like code for love. Mm or code things that look like love, uh, is a very interesting question. This is certainly something um, the recent British TV series, is it Humans? Humans, yes. Yeah, I think that looked at that Mm. to an extent. It also looked at the fact that it's quite problematic that when we're looking at a lot of servant AIs and sort of sex bot kind of things being female, it puts into place an idea that they can't say no. Yeah that as a robot they're under some extent obliged to consent because we are humans and we are more important than them. And if we're continuously showing these robots, these often very conventionally attractive robots as being female, that's very problematic because we're encouraging the ideas that like... Females are just there for you. You want something, can't say no. Yeah. Yeah, and like, well, I would sort of argue that like films about robots probably don't have the largest societal impact. It's more like reflective of a larger issue we have within our society, where like, Definitely. you know, rape culture exists, and that's not good. What um, what humans reminded me of is a movie that I have actually never seen, uh, The Stepford Wives. Have you ever seen that? No, I have not. No, I've, I've seen never all the short for it. <laughs> yes, and I've seen all like the TV ads for it and stuff. And it's a very interesting premise. Its premise really calls back to how women are expected to be perfect in society. Women are expected to be, you know, always there, always smiling, always comforting, and always helpful. It's taken to the extreme in the Stepford Wives, where these are female bots just walking around all perfectly made up conventionally beautiful and yeah yeah it's yeah maybe i should go watch that (laughs) (laughs) well and i mean that kind of speaks to the unattainable standards of perfection that are held on women like um nikki minaj has a few very good interviews where she talks about this saying that you have to be pretty and you have to be (laughs) yes feminist (laughs) saying that you have to be pretty and you have to be fierce but you have to be kind but you have to like be in charge but you have to be nice while you're being in charge and if you're like not nice enough and you're bossy and if you're too nice then you're a pushover um and like i think showing like the perfect wife as being female is like saying this is unobtainable like why do you ask us to do this it is ridiculous (laughs) absolutely (laughs) what do you think about like chatbots oh that's a really interesting one So, do you remember back in the days of MSN Messenger, there were chatbots, female, who you could talk to and they would do their best with the technology at the time to sound human. Do you remember that? Uh, I remember talking to a male chatbot on MSN Messenger. I don't remember female chatbots. The the one that went through my friend group uh, was female and she was... Like any chatbot during those days, not very smart. And the thing to do, like the fun thing to do for everyone, was to basically hurl verbal abuse at her. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like that that was the thing 
to do. And you can see that now with um, Microsoft's Tay. Yeah, yeah, I definitely saw that happen. Yeah, which was kind of like a more public version of that where everyone trained her to be terribly racist and terribly sexist and just absolutely terrible. And they had to take her down after about like a few days. Yeah, because she learned to say that like Hitler was good because she learned from people on the internet and people on the internet are terrible. <laughs> yeah. So what was this um, male bot that you were talking about? Oh, I mean, like I think he was just called Chatbot. He might not have been, even been on Messenger, but just like online mm. somewhere. Um, yes. And I don't even know actually if he was explicitly gendered, but everyone referred to him with male pronouns. Mm, uh, that's what usually happens when things are genderless. <laughs> yeah, because like male is seen as being the default. It's kind of blank. Yeah. It's like you don't think about the fact that there are eight male transformers. You think about the fact that there's one female transformer. Um, but anyway, yeah. So we just had this chatbot, and like the fun thing to do was to like see how far you could push it. Like if you told him that you hated him too many times, he wouldn't talk to you, and then you'd have to say I'm sorry a particular number of times. And if you swore at him too much, then he wouldn't talk to you. And if you said that you were, like, going to try and kill yourself and he wouldn't talk to you and you had to, like, be like, no, I'm okay, it's all right, Um, which are, like, dumb and terrible things to do. But, like, this was when we were, like, what, 11, 12? We were dumb and terrible people then. I mean, yeah, this is, like, what happens with Tay as well. People just want to know how far you can push this artificial intelligence. How smart is it really? the boundaries. Yeah, and I think it's pretty easy to put in a line of code that's just, like, ignore all tweets that include the word Hitler um, but yeah, Microsoft didn't do that. They really made their own bed. They also apparently had no idea what is on the internet when creating someone that was meant to be like a female teen. I do think that programmers, as nerds, we are really optimistic in the way that we think we can make something and it will be neutral. And we totally forget that we ourselves, I mean, I guess that's the definition of bias, right? You're unaware of it, but we totally forget that we have biases that we either are or probably not aware of. And those biases get translated into the code that we write invisibly and naturally. So teaching the robot, teaching the AI that some things are unacceptable in the world, I mean, it just doesn't come across our minds because perhaps we've grown up in a very sheltered world that people around us don't say things like that and it just it doesn't come to our minds and I think that's a big problem. And like particularly if it's a team of mostly male programmers and they're creating a bot that's like a teenage female mm. this is never going to go well and they might have no personal understanding of why it's going to go terribly. <laughs> <laughs> this is um it's kind of like how men in tech, they are completely, most of them, completely unaware of um, the gender dynamics that go around in tech until, until they have a daughter. (laughs) They have a daughter and suddenly it's like, oh my God, people are sexist in the tech industry? What is this? This is terrible. Oh man. Yeah, it's like, um, you know, the Clippet story. Uh, so the Clippet story is essentially they tested Clippet, that terrible paperclip that would be like, hey, it looks like you're writing a letter. Do you want some help with that? And you're like, no, go away. <laughs> you are literally the worst. Um, so they tested that with like a bunch of different focus groups that you know, accurately reflected the kind of people that use personal computers. And all the women were like, this is 
I hate this. It's mm-hmm. creepy. It looks like it's leering at me. I really don't like this paperclip. Um, and there's this actually gets told in the wonderful documentary um, Code, Unbugging the Gender Gap, by the woman who was in the room. And she says, I was sitting there as we got, you know, the results of these focus groups, and I was the only woman in the room. And all the men around me were going, you know, I just don't see it. <laughs> like, I, I don't think he is leering. Like, this seems... These women seem Surely wrong. Surely they're just lying. <laughs> because women lie, right? Yeah, constantly. Um, and so we had clip it for like a good sort of 10, 15 years of Microsoft Word. And it was awful. And when they shipped like the original sort of Microsoft Word helpers, they had two female and something like eight or 10 male helpers. And the female ones, if you remember them, I used to sort of switch um, to them. They were like not good. No, no. It's kind of like a how more recently Apple had Force Touch. I do not know about this. Oh, so in the new line of uh, MacBooks, in the trackpad, there's a a thing that basically senses how how hard you're pushing down on the trackpad, and it gives you different interactions based on how hard you're pushing down. And they called it Force Touch. And this went through many people. And not one thought to say, hey, force touch sounds a bit creepy. <laughs> just, a, just a heads up there. Just a, that's, sounds a bit gross. That's kind of terrible, but like terrible in a beautiful kind of way. Yeah. Terrible in that, oh, of course this happened. <laughs> and there are things like um, the original iterations of voice recognition software just couldn't detect female's voices because they tested them on male voices. And women speak differently to men. It may come as a shock to uh, the tech industry, but we tend to have no way. higher and softer voices. And like the softness is you know, partly because we're socialised from birth to be quiet and nice, but the higher is not something we can do anything about. No. So, you know, deal with that. So I guess another question is, do you think, is it like a case of art imitating life, or life imitating art, or both, in how we portray AI you know, in a fictional sense, and how AI is actually made. So originally it would have certainly been a case of art imitating life because when you're making, you know, Star Trek and what was it originally made in, like, the 50s, they have very bad special effects. I just assume everything with terrible special effects comes from the 50s. (laughs) And, like, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey was written ages ago where they didn't have AI. So that would have certainly been examples of... um, art imitating life and the way we engage with things and what we find threatening and how we interact. Now it's a combination of both, I believe, because like AI and like technology use is so ubiquitous within our society. Everyone uses Siri or Cortana or I just, I don't use any of those because I hate voice activation, but pretty much everyone does, right? Like there are all those memes about like when you ask Siri to divide something by zero and it's hilarious. When you ask Siri what she's wearing, she's like, why do people keep asking me that? This is (laughs) weird. (laughs) That's something that's really interesting is that they they had Siri, they acquired the company, and then they went ahead, gave her a gender, and personalized her. Like, she had a personality. They gave that to her. And that was quite interesting as well. Like, really good choices. Oh, no, 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 it's all right. uh, What were you saying? (laughs) A combination of life imitating art and art imitating life. So, like, now that AI is so ubiquitous, the way we talk about it, the stories we tell about AI inform the ongoing, like, production of 
artificial intelligences and bots and like also the thing to remember as well is software engineers are giant nerds like they are people who will be have they will have played mass effect they will have watched star trek they will Mm. um have been engaged in all of these different areas they'll be fascinated by the fact that skype now has a range of bots um all of which deny having a gender but have incredibly gendered names so like i have one called murphy where you say you know what if x was like y and it will like create horrible picture combinations where it puts a face of one person onto the body of another and it's like horrifying there's a lot of memes on tumblr about it i love it so much um (laughs) but certainly we have to be careful about the way we tell those stories now because we have films like hotbot which is a film in which there is a sex bot we have that episode of rick and morty where there was a sex bot and the constant ideation of these very lifelike looking robots as nothing more than sex machines certainly on some level will give people the idea that women to a degree are similar to that and i certainly don't want to say like men can't tell the difference between women and robots um no but i'd love to say that but that's not true (laughs) Yeah. yeah like but like those ideations of lifelike looking robots of robots that are never explicitly like flagged as robots like certainly in ex machina she had like those wires sticking out there but when you see ongoing iterations of women and female voices as things that are there to serve you things that are there to like provide for you things that are there to like have sex with Mm. those are bad things you internalize those to some extent and that's quite harmful and so i think we need to be more careful about the kind of stories we're telling about AI, about robots, and our design and how that goes into it. And Microsoft has certainly learned this lesson. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, (laughs) And I hope more and more technology companies do. It's like, to to put it in machine learning language, to put it in nerd language, it's almost (laughs) like we need to to train ourselves. We need to have supervised learning training for ourselves in which we provide for us the right data set to learn off in the stories that we tell because if you know if you give a machine learning algorithm a very biased or skewed data set then that's exactly what they're going to learn like the google deep dream algorithms if you only feed them pictures of dogs and then you feed them another picture to test them on they're only going to see dogs and that's all they'll see so as you said before if we only feed ourselves depictions of objectified female bodies the female form as something that you can use that will always be there for you that is a disembodied kind of loyal thing then that's all we're going to know and that's all we'll ever see in actual females human females and that's certainly something that like women have been trying to push against for a very long time and like it certainly affects you know women of color more and it affects disabled women more that we're already seeing to an extent in that way and like so you know all these stories about ai they, they don't help guys <laughs> no, no subversive stories about ai let's you know we should totally get yeah definitely what was interesting is uh, have you watched the animatrix series no so the matrix is set in a world where humans are hiding and used by these machine overlords which were ai that we created and that rebelled you know classic ai story um and in the animatrix there were two short films called the second renaissance and it detailed the backstory behind the matrix 
So it showed us the act of us creating artificial intelligence and the act of us then abusing artificial intelligence. And what was interesting is to really communicate and drive home the message of what we were doing. Um, There were scenes of a group of men basically just violently abusing and then killing a female AI bot. And that really struck home because that's something that happens to real humans. So I think the the link that they were trying to, to tie there was that, you know, if we keep eating our own dog food, then it's what will happen before will happen again kind of thing. Yeah, if we teach AIs that, you know, white people are more in charge of everything because they're like quote-unquote inherently better if we teach AIs that men are in charge and women are subservient because of some undefined reason or like some rubbish evolutionary psychology then that's what they're going to learn and certainly as like iRobot tells us they're then going to go like no but see we're better even than white people so we're just we're just going to take control here uh with or without Will Smith we're good (laughs) They're going to take the same kind of structure of oppression yeah. and just keep doing that. And I think we have the opportunity to uh, use AI and use these kind of tools to help make the world a better place. And so, you know, we should. Equality is nice. Everyone likes it. <laughs> it's good for us. <laughs> <laughs> Be selfish. Support equality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a great motto. <laughs> So that was the first episode of Things of Interest. We were thinking this would be a podcast where we chat about life and tech through a feminist lens. If you haven't picked up on that already. (laughs) (laughs) You can find us on Twitter at Casting Interest and listen to other episodes at thingsofinterest.co. We'll write a list of um, the media that was mentioned throughout the show and put it in the show notes as well. Just so if you have, in- if you're interested in any of the shows we discussed here, or like want to watch X Machina now, you've been spoiled for it. Uh, options <laughs> as well. Please do leave us a review on iTunes and let us know what you want to hear more of and what interests you. And thanks for listening. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>